Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you hit that subscribe button and I hope you're digging what we're doing here. Lord knows I've been digging what I've been doing lately, including getting all these new five-star reviews for helping people do what I love the most. No, not talking about old wrestling, but that's second I'm talking about helping families just like yours save tens of thousands of dollars at SaveWithConrad.com. This is what we're talking about. We would love to help you save some cash right now. If you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, there's never been a better time to save money than right now. Just passed my 19 year anniversary in the mortgage business, and I've never been able to offer rates as low as I can right now. I've also never been licensed in as many states. If you can hear my voice, there's a good chance I'm licensed in your state. And it's free to find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. He gave us a five-star review and said, fantastic service, great attention to detail, simple and easy process. How about over in Perryton, Texas, Jarrell says, Conrad, David, and Jennifer were complete professionals, and I had recommended them already to a couple. I couldn't put them over more if I tried. Thank you again for helping us out in a major way. I won't forget it. What about up in Gallatin, Texas? William gave us a five-star and he says, Jimmy did a fine job keeping me informed, working through a couple of unique things involving our original loan. Would be sure to recommend this fine team to anyone. How about Christina moving down from New York City? Yep, she wrote, as first-time home buyers coming from out of state, naturally this is a very stressful process, but Save with Conrad was a blessing. The entire team is helpful, courteous, and just made the entire experience so much easier and more pleasant than it could have been. I can't thank Save with Conrad enough. Thank you for everything you've done for my family. The reviews keep on coming, guys. Five-star reviews, one after another. You're going to save a boatload of cash if you're in a 30-year loan. We're going to show you how to pay your house off faster and with cheaper monthly payments. Maybe you've been throwing your money away on rent. You don't need a huge down payment or perfect credit to buy a house. We can help you make it happen right now. And maybe best of all, if you've got credit card debt, I can save you five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention interest rates in the twos? Can't believe that's real, but just last week we locked a bunch of new loans with interest rates in the twos. My only advice to you is hurry. Barry Habib is the foremost expert on interest rates. You've probably seen him on every cable news service. Just last week, he advised that we're on borrowed time with these rates. The time to act is now. Get ahead of this. You're going to be kicking yourself. You missed this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Keep more of your own money. Go to SaveWithConrad.com right now before it's too late. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. 
Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to Something to Wrestle With. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, Connie, it's been a rough day. It has? Yeah. Well, tell me about it. Let's talk through it. Let's see if we can make it better. Okay. I don't know that you can. You're not here. No, I'm not. I haven't been invited ever in my life. miles away. I've never been invited. Just want the record to show. That's bull. Shit. <laughs> okay, I've probably been invited, but you know, we're kind of in a pandemic, Bubba. More than eight times. All right. All right. I'm coming though. I'll be there. All right. Well, I my fucking manicure, man. They fucked up my finger today. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Dude, it's yeah. oh. index finger too. It's the pointy one. Bruce. You have rescheduled recording this podcast with me no less than 78 times this week, but you somehow found time to get a fucking manicure. You got to have class Conrad. Oh my gosh. I know who you've been hanging out with, but seriously, yeah, dude, it's fucked up. Yeah, I agree. I'm sitting over here just like not running businesses and waiting on go. And it's because you got to go get your shit filed down and buffed and cut. And what, what do you call it? A buff and polish or what, what, what is the phrase you use for your fingernails? Okay. okay. Pro tip. Okay. All right. Short round and buff. Okay. See, I knew you had a phrase. You buff them out. You don't fucking put polish on them. Short round and buff sounds like one of your favorite wrestlers. Well, that too, but they, they understand it, you know, and, and, uh, I was working the entire fucking time. Okay. But still, it hurts. Short round and buff. Yeah. Like, Otis. kind of like me. Like, <laughs> okay. Maybe not. Let's talk about why we're here, man. I'm so excited. Why are we here? Well, because we're legally obligated. We signed some contracts. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be sued if we don't something like that. But listen, we're also going to have fun today. We're talking about Unforgiven 2005. Uh, 15 years ago, this one went down. 15 years ago today, in fact. September 18th, Ford Center, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It's a Raw-only brand pay-per-view. There's like 8,000 fans in attendance. We've got 485 grand at the gate. There's 17,000 seats here. So we've only got like half full. Uh, and the event does 243,000 buys, which is slightly more than the year before, but goodness gracious, playing a pay-per-view to a half a house, that's probably, uh, less than ideal, huh? It was a good house. 50% really? It's full. Well, it looked full on TV. It's not really. Well, there you go. It's goddamn it. It's full. <laughs> I love you. This is the era where we still have unique pay-per-view sets. We get lots of questions about this all the time. Of course, these days we can make every set unique through the miracle of led boards. 
you think we'll ever get to this traditional style set where there's a, a themed set of rigs and things like that for the entrance and all that, or not so much is led the new way in human beings. Um, led so damn versatile that you can basically make it anything that you want to. So in a lot of respects, there is always going to be those events like WrestleMania or, you know, a stadium event where you can create a hard set that becomes a part of the event. But LEDs, again, they're, they're just so damn uh, versatile. You can make it in any, you can make it be anything you want it to be. It's kind of fun going back and watching this one because they've got a really creative set on this night with five different projection screens. But what's interesting is how you can barely see the video on some of the screens as opposed to, you know, straight crystal clear images on every screen by 2020 as a show unforgiven ran from 1998, fresh off of the stone cold, Steve Austin world title win until 2008. This year, the top feud going into the show is around John Cena and Kurt Angle which is really a part of a larger John Cena, Eric Bischoff feud. Kurt angle is playing the hardcore wrestling machine at this time. And it's said to be Cena's toughest challenge as he's still a relatively new top guy being anointed earlier in the year at WrestleMania. Before we get into the actual show though, let's talk about the news and notes leading to the show. One of the big pieces of business is SmackDown is going to Friday night. And that's a big deal for the first time ever it's on Friday nights. And well, at least since it's debut and the dirt sheets are saying, this is going to be a horrible move. Your old pal, Brian Alvarez, who I know is your great close personal friend wrote as an 18 to 34 year old male myself, I can tell you that my interest in staying home Friday nights to watch SmackDown is nil. Though to be fair, my interest the last so years first watch video tapes, VHS tapes of men in Japan. Okay. I'll always tape SmackDown though. These days, to be honest, it's mostly because that's my job and I highly doubt I'll be staying home every week to watch it live. And listen, I know that you're not a big Brian fan and, and I get it. That's going around, but, uh, a Friday night show has to be more of a challenge than a Thursday night show, right? I mean, he's not wrong on that. It, it's gotta be. It presents a un- a different set of challenges. We'll say that. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I think if you you know had your choice, I'm not sure that Friday night would be your first or your second choice of nights of the week to put a live television show on. So, yeah, it's challenging, and, and it's definitely challenging w- when you get into the summer and nicer weather. People are staying out more and, and going out more. So it's challenging to say the least however you've got to <laughs> you got to do what the networks want you to do and you need to make moves that uh align with your network and sometimes they're looking at you to be able to fill that void and hopefully bring an audience that wouldn't necessarily normally be watching television on a friday night to that night of the week to watch tv you just gotta assume it's gonna be a a challenge, but there's another piece of business going around for TV. The WWE is coming home to the USA network. Uh, another big shift around this time is the company leaving spike TV to return to the USA network. 
uh, after major legal struggles between the two sides during WWE's jump to TNN, which go on to be spike WWE decides it's time to return to their home on USA and Meltzer would write about this. He says, when death of WWE is written, this jump back to USA may be chapter one. They left spike TV for a far worse deal, which includes losing over $20 million per year in total ad revenue with the USA network. With Vince, he thought this was more homes because it was on TV in his hotel rooms, whereas Spike was not there. When in reality, it's the same exact number of homes. It gets better. Spike blitzes USA Network in Canada, a WWE hotbed. You think John Laurinaitis signed this deal or something? Chat me up. Going back to USA. I kind of thought it was a cool thing because I grew up, it feels like my whole life watching WWF on USA. So for you guys to, to leave spike, to go back to USA, do you remember it being for less money or what was the circumstance you recall about you guys leaving spike to go back to USA? Well, first of all, I think it's turned out all right. Yeah. Second of all, I, you have to understand the overall scope of things and understand that when you look at things with tunnel vision, you only see one thing. And when you're looking at things through a, a skewed view, like most so-called journalists or gossip writers do, they, they look for what the juicier story is and they choose to no more. overlook. This was a deal with NBC universal and the overall scope of being involved with Universal and NBC and all of its partners back home where they understood us on USA Network. Uh, USA Network regretted that we left and that we went to uh, Spike. So it was it was a time of coming home and it was a time of, of working together again. But also it was a time of saying, hey, look, we're not just looking at the USA Network. We're looking at NBC Universal as a whole and the different partnerships that we have and how we can utilize those. And going through and the doors that opened up, not just from one little USA Network and Monday Night Raw, across the board with theme parks, which we did partnerships with uh, the Universal theme parks and did different things. But it was a good synergy. It was a good marriage. So it was a lot more than, oh, and God. Again, when you are able to go back and you have, you're able to have 2020 hindsight and you read that and you read his thoughts on it again, think that that tells you exactly where he comes from with the things that he writes and says and his grasp with reality or lack thereof. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate. Steven is there for you ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently 
He's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let's talk about Michelle McCool. Uh, while training in Deep South, she's going to be put in the hospital for a week, according to the Observer. And allegedly, this is due to a bad reaction from ibuprofen. I never heard of this. What do you remember about Michelle McCool having a little bit of a health scare here? God, I have no idea. Um, I, yeah, I really don't. Uh, but uh, it actually, dude, a bad reaction to ibuprofen is one of the worst things that you ever want to have because and I say that from actual experience because my wife had a reaction during some of her treatment. And the problem with that is, is that there's so much medication, so many other things. Everybody immediately would go to ibuprofen and it's, um, yeah, it sucks. But I, other than that, that's about all the insight I can give you. I'm hiccuping because I drank that, that drink too fast. Okay. The company is going to have a great quarter for revenue. Total revenues for this quarter are 93.8 million as compared to 86.1 million the prior year. The net income is 11.2 million as compared to 7.65. And uh, that's a big jump for sure. But you have to take into take into account that, uh, they're going to run five pay-per-views this quarter as compared to four the prior year. But for some odd reason, the earnings report said they added a new pay-per-view this quarter, which boosted revenue backlash, but the actual pay-per-view added is ECW's one night stand. Bruce, is this because perhaps it's going to confuse investors by saying it's ECW one night stand and they might not think it's WWE or What's any sort of rational reason for not giving the credit to ECW one night stand other than perhaps those three initials might confuse investors. I don't know why it would confuse investors. They know that we purchased it and they know that we own the rights to it. Um, the only thing I can say is chalk it up to a possible mistake and just someone either transposing names or what have you. I don't think that it was anything intentional to hide ECW and the revenue gained from it. So I, I think that was nothing more than an honest mistake. Yeah. It's not that you guys would ever would not want to give credit to another brand and not your own creation. Right. I mean, that's just, we owned it. Why wouldn't we give credit to it? All right. I don't know why you didn't. I mean, why, I... why would you take something that you owned and then you were able to do something with it that was successful, but Oh God, we don't want to talk about that. That's silly. I agree, which makes me wonder why you didn't, you know? Well, we did. <laughs> you literally list that it's backlash and it's fucking no, we one. We didn't. Someone did. I don't know who did. Someone <laughs> made a mistake. Jesus Christ. If we weren't, hang on. If we weren't proud of it, if we didn't want to do it, then why'd we do it? Well, you wanted the then money. Why did we continue to do it and bring the brand back? 
oh, I know what, because we, we just are so petty that we want to buy a brand, we want to make it successful and have a hell of a pay-per-view and then bring it back and just kill it because that's what good business people do. Live event revenues are down to 16.5 million as compared to 17.9 the prior year. But the real story is they ran less house shows, both domestically and abroad. U.S. attendance is actually up. It was 3,800 the prior year. Now it's 4,600. International still booming. It's 10.7. The prior year was 8,300. Uh, merchandise is also way up 25.2 million compared to 16.4 the prior year. A lot of this is because the WWE's online store is growing by leaps and bounds. And of course, in this era, people are really starting to get more and more comfortable buying things online. They went from 15,000 orders the prior year to 41,000 orders this year, which is just tremendous, but things are also changing in other media. Home video revenues grow from 5.7 million to 8.5 million, and they're going to sell 722,000 units as compared to 495,000 units. Uh, Greatest stars of the eighties is going to sell 95,000 units. Road warrior sells 84,000, but of course, WrestleMania 21 is the biggest hit of all 202,000 units. It sets a record. It's kind of interesting to see how, you know, DVD sales here are booming. Attendance is up. Merchandise is up. It feels like 05 overall is a much stronger year than 04. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I think it was, we were in that rebuilding process, you know, from the ruthless aggression and here you're building scene and you're building Batiste and building new stars that are starting to take hold. You're starting to get some traction, but it was still a building process what we were doing seemed to be working and and at least we were going in the right direction. Something we've never really talked about or not a great deal, but boy, what a story this was. It's a, well, a plot against Jerry Lawler of all people. One of the folks who conspired to rob Jerry Lawler in 2004, April Beach is sentenced in September to 13 months in federal prison. The plot involved trying to steal $200,000 out of one of King's jukeboxes on Monday night when he's out of town calling raw Veach allegedly is an adult entertainer, a dancer, if you will. Some might even say stripper who had previously dated. If that's a word, Jerry Lawler while scoping out his house. However, uh, more concerning is that the scheme seemed to involve veteran police officers. Officer David Tate, who is an 18 year police veteran was accused of plotting the burglary, easy for me to say burglary, taking bribes from nightclubs, protecting drug dealers, and even transporting prostitutes to Tunica, Mississippi casinos. Reports are that uh, he even discussed shooting Jerry Lawler. Should he unintentionally be home during this robbery? Uh, Tate was sentenced to 14 years in prison. And there's another officer, John D Vaughn, who's also sentenced to four years in prison and officer Billy Scott received a seven year prison sentence. My goodness. You know, I hate to talk about something negative these days, but not all that long ago, uh, Lawler's son, grandmaster sex, Brian Christopher, Brian Lawler, who we all are very familiar with as wrestling fans passed away under some pretty 
skeptical circumstances while he was in the custody of the local jail and Lawler is now pursuing that. And I understand that he may have some questions after an incident like this. What do you remember hearing about all these quote unquote, dirty cops and this dancer trying to plot to take out the King? Well, <laughs> it's an interesting story to say the least kind of scary when you think about it, because uh, Kingfish was on TV every Monday night live. So those in Memphis knew that he's probably not at home. Uh, scary to think of who might have been at home unknowingly that might've got hurt in this thing. I mean, I can only imagine them breaking into his house and the TV turn on and Lawler's on TV and they end up shooting up his TV or something. But, you know, it was, it was a scary thing. And I'm not sure that, um, I don't think that they actually stole the money. I think it was a plot to steal the money. That's right. And I don't know that there actually ever was, at least at that time, you know, money in the jukebox. And I think that Jerry and different people that had been in Jerry's house from time to time, just, you know, shit, Jerry's a local celebrity. Everybody knows him and, and he knows everybody. So I think that it was knowledge that, Jerry had a jukebox. Jerry has this beautiful Coca-Cola room in his home with all original Coca-Cola artwork and collectibles and shit. It's pretty cool. And he's got this really nice jukebox in there. So I, I can see how all this shit could have uh, come to, hey, Jerry Lawler's got a bunch of money in his jukebox. I asked him, point blank, you know, I remember then and without coming out and saying yes or no, he was like, well, no, there was, there was nothing in there, but had there been, who knows? Had he gone into his jukebox and got anything out? Who the hell knows? But I know that from the sounds of everything and talking to Jerry about it, that it was a lot of rumor and innuendo about what it actually was versus what it actually was. And yes, it was plot. Yes, there was this girl that uh, had come back to Jerry's house and knew the lay of the land, if you will. Probably got this guy, and Jerry Lawler's a celebrity, so of course he's got to be uh, got to be loaded. Must have millions laying around there, and I think that's that's pretty much what happened. A little pro tip, boys and girls: if you have cash laying around your house, don't tell anybody. Yeah, or why the fuck do you need cash laying around your house? Well, listen, some people don't want to pay taxes on stuff. And, you know, once upon a time, wrestling was an all-cash business. That's not the case anymore. But once upon a time, it was an all-cash business. And we've even talked about here, you know, some promoters were very familiar with the skim. And uh, other wrestlers would demand to be paid in cash. So it stands to reason to me. Are you saying that Jerry Jarrett and the... Nashville, Memphis wrestling territory may not have been hundred percent on the up and up. Is that what you're trying to say? It almost feels like you're insinuating that everything that happened in Houston was well-documented. Very much so. God, and you wouldn't believe, oh my God. So since you brought it up, so one of the things that I've been looking for, and this is how crazy this shit is, man. First of all, everything was done in pencil. I still do everything in pencil, just out of habit, but the receipts, Okay. And probably for kids your age, you probably never did encounter this, but there, there was a, uh, 
hot dog place in Houston, Texas called James Coney Island. Best fucking chili dogs in the world. The original James Coney Island in downtown Houston served, was an institution, served I don't know how many people daily. It was ungodly. And the owner was at the cash register, except there wasn't a cash register. It was like a cafeteria line. You went through the line. You told the guy behind the counter how many hot dogs you wanted with chili, with onions, with mustard. What do you want on it? Blah, blah, blah. You move on down the line further. You got chips and you got a drink. That was all they served. So you get down to the end and there's the old man and he counts up how many hot dogs that you have, if you got chili or not. Uh, Okay, got two bags of chips and you got a drink. Okay. And he would write down a number on a brown paper bag. It was always an even number. It wasn't like, oh, okay, yeah, that'll be four ninety six. No, it was like, uh, okay, it's four bucks. Cash, no credit. Long before you know the use of credit cards and shit was a thing. And he would write down that number, just four dollars. Yeah, it's just a four, and along underneath the list of you know three, ten, six, whatever. That was their accounting system. So in the wrestling business, and I just got this man from 1941 to 1975 of Paul Bosch's records from Houston. Of every single day, what the ticket office did in receipts. Handwritten, some in pencil, some in pen. But it had the date, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a number by each day. Then you had a line, you got your advance, and then you had the gate. And I was hoping, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, God, I want to get it for, you know, I I wanted to get it for the time that I was there. Just for sentimental reasons again. But when I got this just now, and I started looking through it, because... My wife is doing this unbelievable job of going through all of this stuff and sorting the 1985 Guinness Book of World Records from a 1913 first print of some book, poetry book from Hawaii that's worth $3,000 on the internet, you know, separating all this shit. And to me, that's more valuable than anything. And it's got literally every single day from 1941 to 1975 of the daily receipts in every single house written down. I've got, I should say, I'm going to send this to you right now, just so you can understand what the hell I'm talking about and, and, and just get an idea of it because that's the way that promoters did business back then. And this is the date on there, which was really cool. July 20th, 1973, the day that, Jack Briscoe won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And it's the only entry in the book that actually has anything about the card on it. Other than there's a few in there that has Giant where he is. And they drew $9,387 that night for for Jack Briscoe to beat Harley Race with the Luthes Press in the third fall for the NWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. I like it. So... Pretty cool shit. Did you get it? I'm like waiting on the picture. I don't have it yet. Damn it. I hate technology. It hates you it's more. Still, the little blue line's going across the top still, but but yeah, so it was cash business. So maybe you kept a little cash on hand. Occasionally. Every now and again. Occasionally. 
All right, check this out. I've got a little life hack for you right now. If you're a smoker, I'm talking about Lucy and what's great about Lucy. And I really mean this is they found a cleaner alternative for nicotine. They found a better alternative for nicotine. That's right. Finally, there's a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck. Don't take my word for it. Check out their story. Lucy has done a little R and D that's research and development for you plebeians. They did this for three years to make sure that they have the perfect product for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine. that comes in three great flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. They've even got a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine and a cherry ice flavor. And you can only find these great flavors with Lucy. And by the way, here's what's best about Lucy. It's convenient and discreet. You can enjoy these products literally anywhere at the gym, at the house, at the office, on the go, on a flight. And that is a game changer. I think I've told this story before here on the show, but my parents were smokers my whole life and where we went, how we got there, what car we took, what restaurant we went to, where we went on vacation, whose house came to where all of that was dictated by cigarettes. Don't do that. It's 2020. Throw out your damn cigarettes, unplug your stupid vape, throw out your nasty dip and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenge. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. And it's so simple. You don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down right now. The something to wrestle with listeners can go to Lucy.co and use promo code wrestle to get 20% off all their products, including gum or lozenges. That's Lucy.co. Just use our promo code wrestle at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Duh. Lucy.co is where you need to go. And be sure to use that promo code WRESTLE to save yourself 20% off. If you're a smoker, owe it to yourself to check this out. It's Lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code WRESTLE. Let's talk about the show itself. Uh, We're going to get kicked off with Ric Flair and Carlito. And I got to tell you. I knew this match was on the card because we sort of ran down a preview and I just assumed that this is the same era where flair cut that unbelievable promo on Carlito backstage, but that was like two years later. So this predates that, but it's flair and Carlito for the intercontinental championship. Carlito has the title. He's going to lose it to Ric flair here with the figure four, which is funny because flair's told me and you, he never beat anybody with the figure four. He's going to open the show wearing that black robe with the blue feathers and, uh, he's fighting Carlito for the belt here. This is the old oval intercontinental design. The big story here is that flair's never won the intercontinental title. And I gotta say, it looks a little weird for flair to not be wrestling for the world title. Not that that's in the picture in 05, but I don't know. Sometimes that feels like the belt on your way up to the world title. But I guess in his case, it's on the way down. You tried this a few years ago, or maybe even before you were back, I guess, but Roman Reigns won the intercontinental title after he'd already been world champ. Do you think it's weird when a guy like AJ or Roman or even flair here, a former world champion is now in competition for the intercontinental title or not so much? No, not so much. A championship is a championship. And a lot of times the the talent holding it can make it mean that much more or that much less, depending upon the talent. What was management feeling about Carlito in this era here in 05? Well, in 05, man, you know, Carlito was 
on fire, in my opinion. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Carlito from the first day that I ever saw him in Puerto Rico. And he was just plain old Carly Cologne. But there was always been something special about him. I always had that, that twinkle in his eye and a smirk on his face that was a confidence that you can't teach. Right. And I've, I've always been high on Carlito and, and thought he's a hell of a talent. The match starts out without uh, much happening until Flair hits a very loud chop. And of course that gets the crowd going. Uh, Nate's tries to cinch in the figure four, but Carlito pushes him outside. We get a lot of let's go Flair chance. Flair actually hits a move off the top rope and the fans eat it up because they never saw it. It feels like every time we've seen Rick climb to the top, he got that dreaded damn body slam off the top. Ultimately Flair wins with the figure four leg lock. Meltzer didn't love it. He gives it two stars. And, uh, then he grabs the mic and says, this win means as much to him as his 16 world championships. And he says he wishes triple H was here to celebrate with him. Then he gets some, uh, some plants from the audience who just happened to be attractive women. One of which is actually his wife at the time, uh, to all join him. And one of the women actually falls over the guardrail trying to awesome. <laughs> you saw it this week for the first time in 15 years. You had to feel bad for that lady. Did you not? No. Great television. I loved it. I mean, you got to admit that was great TV. You're sitting there going, no, no. So yeah, it was, I thought that was absolutely great television and the match shit. Come on, man. I thought the fucking match was tremendous. I did too. It was a solid, simple story that everybody could understand. Both guys had their working boots on and it told a great, great story. And when you talk about history, man, you talk about flair and Puerto Rico and Carly's dad, Carlos Cologne. Um, I think that for Carly, it was a, an opportunity to work with Rick and just feel that history. Um, I thought it was cool on so many fucking fronts. And then you got old school, Ric Flair. Tremendous. No doubt about it. I love this segment. Enjoyed the match. A lot. Um, and I, I appreciated that Rick sort of addressed what I was thinking when he said, this means as much to me as my 16 world titles. He's got to get it over and he does a good job with that. And there's more flair to come on this show. Uh, literally, literally. <laughs> we've been hanging out too much, uh, backstage Lita is massaging. Uh, her man edge They're talking I about gotta give you a sidebar on this. Okay. I'm ready. So I'm watching this in my office and at work I'm at work. So I've got, I've got it up on the wall and everything. I'm watching it. And I am actually, I was watching the end of the flare thing and I'm on the phone with Adam Copeland. And the next thing that pops up is <laughs> him backstage. And I go, hey, man, I'm, I'm looking at you uh, from Unforgiven 2005. And he goes, and immediately he goes, oh, that's me and Matt in the cage. Like, it was yesterday. And starts reminiscing about it and, and all this shit. And I go, and I said, we start talking about other things. Said, yeah, leaders rubbing your shoulders now. I said, you know, crazy what 15 years will do, man. <laughs> and he, 
you know, he laughed. But he, as soon as I said Unforgiven 2005, Adam went right, right back to that night in that match. It is the, quite the spectacle we're, we're getting to. Uh, and this skit backstage, Lita straddles him. They're French kissing. Of course, your man, Brian Alvarez, hated the segment, but that's kind of the idea. They I'm sure he would uh, to. Oh, please don't. Showing affection. Next what? up. We Maybe he doesn't like men and women being in love and showing affection. I don't know. <sighs> Some people don't like that. WWE Women's Champion Strish Stratus and uh, Ashley. Strish. Did you say Strish Stratus? God damn it! I'm going to say it all night now. <laughs> Why aren't you always in this good a mood? I'm always in a great mood. You're firing me up, Conrad. You're firing me up. Strish Stratus. David Alvarez. David. <laughs> if I'm honest with you, listen, we've got uh, we got a new fella helping me. Uh, do some research and stuff. And Fuck him. I don't like him either. He's, he's using Alvarez and I tell everybody don't use Alvarez. Cause I know you're going to get hot. I mean, you're more agreeable about Wade Keller than anybody. Okay. You don't love him, but you, you don't, you don't hate him quite like you do the rest. I don't dislike Wade in order. Do you hate Brian Alvarez more than Dave Meltzer? Or do you hate Dave Meltzer more? They battle it out. I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, can, I don't think I can conjure up more distaste for either of them. Well, you should like Dave more. No, I, I shouldn't. Yeah, man, come Actually, on. No, I really shouldn't. All right. Well, I'll keep working on it. No, no, it doesn't matter. I, you know what? And the more you work at, the more you work at, and the more I will show you facts, figures, and everything else to back up uh, the inaccuracies and just outright bullshit that is presented by that person. Bro, you ain't got to get hot about it. Let's no, talk. I am hot about it. You've taken me to three quarters hot, man. I went from zero hot to three quarters hot. It just like that. Wait, you're three quarters hot right now. Right now. <sighs> Let me see if I can make you happy. Trish Stratus. And Ashley are going to defeat, uh, Victoria and Tori Wilson with Candace Michelle in tow when Strish pins Victoria with the chick kick. Yeah. It gets, uh, gets one star. Trish is going to carry her team to a win and Meltzer's going to say, Ashley had a unique look in a punk rock style, but unfortunately she's green and does a fair enough job with a few rehearsed spots. Her selling was not very good and her skirt becomes pretty much non-existent. So it's full moon Jones here. And when Trish Strish, sorry, tags back in, well, it levels up a little bit. Her performance is much better, but she's got way more experience. One star in the observer. What'd you think? Well, it, it contains four of my favorite, uh, women in the business of, of all time. Uh, I didn't really know Ashley that well, never really hung out with her. So I, I, one way or another, she was a very nice young lady, but I didn't know her. 
um, as well as I knew Trish, Victoria, Tori, and Candace. And they were all just such great people, still are, and wonderful, wonderful people that I enjoyed this match from that standpoint. I remember where Tori was in in the business at this time and how she was starting to learn how to work and, and do more. She wanted to do more. And I thought it was fun. Was it great? Fuck no, it wasn't great. It wasn't meant to be great, but it was, it was fun. And I don't think that uh, anybody embarrassed themselves by any stretch of the imagination. Ashley took a hell of a bump outside that was scary as hell watching it. But for me, from my perspective watching this, I enjoyed it because I had four of my favorite people in the business on it. Your boy, Brian Alvarez, who always writes glowing things and is super positive in everything he's ever written, writes that Ashley Mazzaro is quote, by far the worst worker on the North American continent and quite possibly in the entire world. So I'm not sure that he like, yeah. Anyway. Next up, we see the skit of flair backstage. And he speaks of this from what? expertise oh no what what expertise does he possess oh no that he can speak of this he's a wrestler you know no i, I didn't no he, yeah he's a wrestler or i mean i guess he's retired now so he he's worked here he's worked in wwe no wcw no ecw nope how about raw roh <laughs> Around the around the office, do you often say, "How did he doing?" Raw. I, I really. <laughs> well, why do you fucking say it? Uh, Roh, just like I say WWE and WCW. I don't start pronouncing the shit. But no, listen. Here's the deal. Here's what you don't know about Brian. He was a Pacific Northwest Pro Wrestling Television Champion one time. Did On you not know TV? that? What TV did he be? Um, okay. Well, I don't know, but he, he did it so well that he did the ICW Texarkana television championship as well. You know, you, fuck you, Conrad there. I'm just trying to tell you about all his accolades, Bubba. Both of them. I mean, he even wrestled for black label pro in 2018. And I think we were there in 2018 or 2019. He wasn't there that day. What? Yeah. Black label pro, you know, friend of the show, Mikey, we did that show in crown point, Indiana. You remember. Okay. He was there. That's where we met orange Cassidy for the first time. You and swoggle flipped through the national Enquirer in the backstage. It was like a whole thing. You were there. I have pictures. Okay. I'm just saying he beat your old friend, Marco Stone. No, not that day. I'm just saying you asked, where did he wrestle? I'm just telling you, he's wrestled a lot of independent shows that you would be familiar with. I'm not familiar with that one. And apparently I was there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, what the fuck you want from me? I I don't know. I'd like to, I, I was probably talking to swizzle. No, you were. He was, he was joking about how now that you were back in the big office, you were going to delete his phone number or block him or both. So 
NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Save with Conrad.com. Just helped a family just like yours secure an interest rate in the twos. For a mortgage, you're overpaying right now if you're in a 30-year loan or if you have an interest rate in the threes, fours, fives, sixes. What are you waiting for? Keep more of your own money before it's too late. Just last week, the experts started to advise that we might be on borrowed time with these interest rates. Take advantage of these rates while we've still got them and find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. So Flair's backstage getting in the limousine with many women. And, uh, they certainly give you the impression that he's got a big night planned because after he gets them all piled in there, he pulls out a bottle of Viagra, takes one, and then does the little count out loud thing to make sure he's taken enough. Since there are multiple women, he takes multiple pills. And of course, this isn't happening in front of a live audience It's happening backstage, but the live audience is singing on the big screen and it gets a huge reaction. This was great. Yes, stuff. Did. Great stuff. Well, so anyway, back in the day, you would have a list of, of things that you would need, different different gimmicks, different things. And one of the gimmicks was a bottle of Viagra. The person that was in charge of getting these said items actually went to a doctor, got a prescription for Viagra, went and got the prescription filled so that we would have Viagra. Now, well, why did you need shoot Viagra? Thank you. It's a little blue pill. It's looks exactly like Advil. I mean, not Advil, Aleve. If you know, if you're not going to hold it out there, a little different shape and a little different consistency, but. If you're dumping them out quickly, it looks like fucking a leave. Guess what else it could look like? It, it could look like fucking the turquoise Tic Tacs. It can look like anything but actually having to go out and get a prescription for fucking Viagra. But one thing that did come out. An erection. You've seen this, and I got I to gotta find it because I have no idea where the hell it is now. But it was a Viagra holder, and it had, and it was a blue flashlight, roughly about two inches long, and it had a little blue pen light on the end of it. And you could pop it, and it had a place for two 10 milligram Viagras in it, like a key ring thing. I've actually, uh, it's available right now on Amazon. Get out of here, seriously? Yep, it's uh, twelve eighty five. Are you fucking with me now? No, I just looked it up. Discreet pill holder slash container keychain stash. I'm looking at it right now. Is it, does it say Viagra? Oh no, but you can, I've seen, I see pictures of those, but I'm saying they've recreated the little flashlight thing that also holds it, but I'm looking at the exact one from back of the day. It was black, but it was oval shaped said Viagra on it had a spur, a perfect like cutout for the two pills. I'm looking yeah. at it. I'm with you. Damn, I thought it was special. No. Like, the one I'm looking at on here right now is different than you need to send me the fucking link to what you're looking at. But, but you're excited about this keychain. I was excited about the keychain. I took the keychain. Wait, do you still have it? I do somewhere. That's the thing. I I had it. 
a long time. I, I have it in this house somewhere. Have you ever taken a Viagra? Case all the time. I never took, and I never took. Uh, and there were two 10 milligram Viagras in it. And the reason I know that is because uh, Randy Orton might have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at it. and goes, "Oh yeah, two. He goes, "Yeah, he goes two ten ten milligram." He goes, "That's cool." And uh, I was like, "How the fuck do you know the milligram?" He goes, "Bruce, come on." Okay, cool. I get it. But, but yeah. Um, so you never, you never took a Viagra. You're more of a blue chew guy. Yes. Hypothetically. I've never taken a Viagra. But blue chew though, that gets your ding dong real, real hard, right? Please. Unlike any other. Okay. And you can chew it up. You don't have to swallow it or anything. And you know what happens when you chew it up? Hang on. No, we're, we're not doing an ad right now. I just wanted to ask. Okay, we're good. We're good. Let's talk. Let's talk about God a couple. Damn it, Bruce! Do it when we get paid for it. For fuck's sake! Thank you. Shout out to Glenn. Uh, ZZ Top's in the front row. If we, who else is in the front row? John Paul Shellnut. John Paul Shellnut. How's Shellnut doing? Shellnut's not doing too good. You know, um, spirits are good, but uh, you know, not really healing up and. Uh, Talked to him for about five minutes on my way home tonight and told him we were going to talk about him a little bit. I told him I was doing Unforgiven 2005. Oh, God damn. We had Billion. ZZ Top was there. I said, yes. Matter of fact, John Paul, they were. And you were sitting in the front row. And they all had their black cowboy hats. And here's the, the, the back, kind of the backstory to all of that. Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, lead guitar, vocalist, and Dusty Hill, the other, the bass player, and also does, you know, vocals as well. But they're the face of ZZ Top. They're the two guys with the beards. All right? Describing for those that may not know who the fuck they are. Come on. And, but they did not speak for years. They did concerts together. They recorded together. They worked together, but they didn't speak. Mm. They would go on tours. They would have completely separate dressing rooms and didn't communicate other than when they were on stage. Only time they would speak and communicate. Unforgiven, 2005, Oklahoma City. ZZ Top was in town. Of course, friends of mine, John Paul Shellnut. He's like, hey, I'd like to bring, uh, you know, Billy wants to come. And he says, but we got kind of a problem because Dusty wants to come too. And they haven't, you know, they don't do things together. And Pablo, who also is a friend of the show, shout out to Pablo, kind of was Dusty's handler and took care of Dusty and took care of the band and, and great, great fucking guy. Pablo and Shellnut kind of get together. It's like Pablo brings Dusty. Shellnut brings Billy. They get together and they they spoke for the first time in a long time and, and actually had fun and went out together and, and communicated at this event through WWE and through Unforgiven in Oklahoma City on this night. And I credit John Paul Shellnut and Pablo for making that happen. But I'm the one that really made it happen. 
Of course, it's all you, baby. Yes, of course. But on the, on this night, and I'm I'm looking up. Okay, I've got it up there. I'll try and take a picture of it. <coughs> it's high up there, but it's a picture of uh, me, Pablo, Shelnut, Elwood. Elwood is another uh, one of the greatest musicians that you ever want to hear as well. That by God, Elwood, you should be touring yourself. But Elwood is like Billy's guitar guy and and travels uh, on the road with them and does a lot of shit. Um, let's see, Dusty, Billy, Jerry Briscoe, and Dusty Road, the All American Dream Baby. I don't know if Danny Hodge is in that one up there or not. Uh, my eyesight's not that good. But Danny Hodge was also there that night. Got some great pictures. I will uh, try and take a picture of this. It's way up high and I don't know. Just pain in the ass. Um, but I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Well, and that from that night in Oklahoma City. Thoughts and prayers. That's pretty cool. Thoughts and prayers to our friend uh, John Paul Shellnot. Hope he kicks out and gets that other side of him going and feels better again soon. I, I can't wait to not understand anything he says again, real, real soon. Well, I could understand every word he said tonight. So he said he's sounding much better. Uh, just, just can't move his left side. No, I'm just saying, even when he was dang no boom, <laughs> it was like, you know, I got to add context to get it figured out. I'm not making fun of his disability. I'm just saying he has a unique way of communicating. That's yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about, uh, ZZ top for a minute. You know, the, one of the, uh, original great parts of our, our show theme song. What's your favorite ZZ top song? LaGrange, uh, just because it's, it's fucking LaGrange. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, rumors spread around about that Texas town by God. And, and I lived that song. So it, it's, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, just you name it, uh, nationwide. I'm bad. I'm nationwide. Fuck every ZZ top song is a great song. You want to know another inside scoop? My wife will really get mad at me for telling you this. She ain't listening. Good point. Yeah. But one of my kids will listen and they'll tell. Kane will. Uh, he won't tell nobody nothing. Kane's good. Kane's been keeping secrets from his mama for at least three years. Um, but she went to a ZZ Top uh, concert when she was like 17, 18 years old and fell asleep. What? That's what I said. And so I made I made sure to tell Billy that first time she met Billy and just like, hey, my wife fell asleep during ZZ Top concert. What happened? Did you drug her? I didn't know her when she was 17. Oh, sorry. I waited until she got experience. Oh God. Let's, yeah. We better move on. I was going to say, we're to get in trouble. Uh, big show is going to pin Gene Snitsky here with a choke slam in six minutes and eight seconds. Big show comes out, says what's up to ZZ. Then Snitsky comes out. Uh, boy, it looks like he's, uh, a bit of an outbreak here. It uh, almost seems like the director goes out of his way to keep a tight shot on Snitsky's back. There's a very rare Big Show chant during the match. Big Show's pretty over here. He even does a kip up with a little bit of help from the ropes. And then he wins with the uh, choke slam. He teases leaving several times before coming back and hitting Snitsky with the bell. And it feels like it's, it's almost here to fill time. 
the observer gives it half a star. What'd you think? I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, it kind of sucked. That's, is that because of big show is it because of Snitsky or is it just there? They just didn't mesh. They didn't click. They did not mesh and they did not click. Both great guys. And, and I, I love them both to death, but it just, yeah, it didn't work. Just didn't work at all. What'd you guys see in Snitsky? Just the size and the look. God, man, uh, the size, the look, but also the athleticism and Gene Snitsky is one of the most personable people you'd ever meet in your life. Really? Yes. Just incredible personality, uh, downright charming. So with, with that kind of a personality, you keep thinking that there's, you know, that's going to come through. And I don't think that that ever really came through. I think the closest it came through is when he punted the baby into the crowd. Which is so great. It's not my fault. You know, that, that whole, not my fault and punting the baby thing. Listen, it's super stupid, but at the same time, it was so fun. Yes, it was. It was great. So yeah, it was, uh, good stuff, but, but that was his personality. That was him having fun and, and, doing that kind of shit hey man you want to get over with the wife give her some of that magic spoon no i'm not talking about something else I'm talking about actual cereal all right here's the deal cereal is something that's probably not a big deal in your house unless you have little kids because little kids like me man we all loved it and then you grow up and you realize uh, i can't keep eating this well now you can thanks to magic spoon and I'm telling you, I'm over like Rover in my household because my wife loves the blueberry. My mom is digging the frosted. I'm still rocking that fruity or the cocoa. There's four amazing flavors here that you can enjoy with zero sugar. You heard me zero sugar. How's it even possible? 12 grams of protein. That's right. Cereal with protein. You're going to get a great start to your day with that. And there's only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It tastes amazing. It really is too good to be true. But if you're on a special diet, check this out. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. It's soy free. It's low carb and GMO free. I can't recommend this enough. It's been a game changer for breakfast in my house and it will be for your house too. It tastes great. It's easy and you get to enjoy it guilt free and you actually feel better. Or at least I do when you have breakfast in the morning, I think everybody knows it's the most important meal of the day, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, how about 12 grams of protein in your cereal? Go to magicspoon.com slash wrestle and grab your variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code wrestle at checkout and get yourself some free shipping. And by the way, magic spoon is so confident in their product. It's packed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash wrestle and use the code wrestle for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast and, well, helping us get over at home a little bit. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed when it looked like Big Show was having fun. There's been different times, and obviously, boy, his characters turned more than the books in a, uh, the pages in a book. Easy for me to say. But Lord, when he's having fun, what a fun guy to watch. You know, I I, I don't want. And I know that, you know, you just think instinctively, oh, this is a big giant. He needs to be a big, nasty monster heel, but sort of jovial, having a good time, big show. That's hard to beat, man. 
Yes, because it's real and you can feel it. You you feel that he's having a good time and you want to be a part of it. Big Show, man, when Big Show's relaxed and, and fucking on point, nobody can touch him. No argument from me. Next, we get the backstage skit, a little bit of a catch up with Ric Flair. He's apparently in the limo with these women still, and now there's steam rolling out of the doors. So either Snoop Dogg climbed in there with him, or he's, uh, was a little bit of friction going on in there. Were you shooting these? This feels like something you would have had a blast with. I shot the first one in the last one. The rest of them, somebody else shot. I mean, how this is right up Flair's alley though. He's having a blast with this. Is he not? It was. Yeah. Because it was real. Right. You know, Rick, Rick feeling it, Rick in there having a good time and Rick, Rick Flair getting to be Rick Flair, what he loved to do best. So yeah, it was when, when you, when you think about the nature boy, that's, that's Rick, man. That's exactly, I think what people think of and Rick went out and did it. So this was as close to what people imagined uh party with the nature boy would be like. And well, you know. Listen, I recognize, you know, the, uh, the blonde lady is his wife. Any idea who the other, who the other gals are? Do you recall? I think they were friends of hers. Okay. I think that they were all, they were all friends and, and, uh, having a good old time. Next up, we see a match graphic and then the promo for our next match, Sean Michaels and Chris masters. We've got to go ahead and do a, a video to sort of recap how we got here. But I got to tell you, the graphic for this looked fucking horrible. Has Photoshop come a long way or what? My goodness. Well, I think graphics and just in general <laughs> productions come a long way. So 15 years, it's yeah. You know, the other thing that would, would bug me was the each guy on each side of the screens mm. in the back. So you would have each guy from the match on opposite screens. And, and I don't know, for some reason, it was a little distracting throughout the night, just watching it back. Part of the theme of this show is the, uh, rough looking cutouts of the wrestlers, but it looks like a super low resolution image for Sean. Definitely the pre HD era in the promo. Sean asked masters how he's going to be able to use the master lock, which is his full Nelson uh, with a mouthful of 10 inches of leather. Uh, for some reason, the, the next match isn't Sean and Chris masters. What's the thinking here? Do, I mean, doesn't it make sense? It seems like the proven formula that we're going to show the, Hey, here's how we got here. And now the match, but instead after this match, we see Kerwin white. Were you trying new guessing, things? Baby. What's that? Keep them guessing, baby. Oh, Jesus. Listen to you. Keep them guessing. All right. Never so, know what's gonna come out. You, you just when you think now you've all read for Chris Matheson and Sean Miguel, and then boom, fuck you, you ain't gonna get her right now. Here come, here comes Cohen White. He's already in the ring. Got a little golf club in his hand, playing with his putter. <laughs> with his putter. Wait, is that something Dusty used to say? He would refer to that as putter, playing with his putter. Because if I so, think so, no. I'm just saying, because if you just, just making shit up, yeah, I'm sure he did. Man. Look at look at everything. <laughs> he 
Look at him. It just feels like a real thing. Yeah, we're hanging low today. Choke up on that thing, baby. Make it a nice smooth stroke. Do you have to take your night night medicine? You're fun today. Well, I have not taken my night night medicine yet, Connie. Got got more work to do. I got to hang up with you. I got Brian Geeworth calling on me, trying to ink a big movie deal, I think. Something like that. Very big, very big, very important. Very important. That's just got, I got people I got called. I got things I got to do. Brian Geeworth, just so you know, I got you. I got you. I sent you a message. I will call you. So when you're listening to this tomorrow night, you'll know, oh, hey, that was right about the time that I called, Bruce. I like when I you're good. He, man. him. He's doing it. God damn it. Pronoun stream. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. There's only three motherfuckers in the match. Figure it out. I'm, I'm not going to talk the rest of the show. I just want all the character voices to bring us on home. Oh, okay. Listen, <laughs> listen. but dream got narrated. If you will, cause I, he just fall back in the either. God damn it. Shut up. Motherfucker, get to the Kerwin White match, god damn it. Fucking Sheldon Benjamin fucking kicked his ass. Actually, good fucking match. Fuck Brian Alvarez, whatever the fuck he has to say about it, cocksucker. Some <laughs> <sighs> strong words over there, baby, coming out your mouth, if you will. You're all fucked up and bullshit. Ooh. Oh, no, not Kamala's penis. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shelton Benjamin. And that was the finish. Shelton Benjamin pins Kerwin White. Eight minutes, three seconds. The exploder suplex after avoiding White's use of a golf club and throwing his opponent in the air. I told him he'll be playing with the putter during the match. It won't be his downfall. If we get all excited and shunt, it'll come back on him. Get that shit all backed up and come back on you. We've talked about Kerwin White before. On his way to the ring, coach is going to call him K White. JR is not having it. He's furious that Chavo has turned his back on his heritage. Burn, shut your fresh, goddammit. And, and I about, about had it with your ha ha in the Oklahoma Sooners. All right, so, so they're 0 with 19. Well, goddammit, they're, they're, they're going to come back, coach. They're going to come back. Stop fucking with me back goddamn sooner. Boom sooner. Boom sooner. Boom sooner. Boom sooner. Boom sooner. Trash or fresh. Nurses, that's all I got to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How hopped up on fucking Mountain Dew are you right now? I got me some of this uh, Sobe, Sobe water Fuji apple pear. That's not what you used to drink. You used to drink Sobe water, but I can't it... find the shit. Hey, here's a shout out. Anybody that don't can get me some goddamn uh, blood orange mango Sobe water, I, I will kill for it. Kill. Conrad will pay you any amount of money <laughs> to get me some goddamn blood orange mango Sobe water. I, I have called the president of the fucking company. I, whatever, I don't care. I Two just, free tickets to watch SmackDown any Friday night in your home. Compliments of me. Really? They can watch it from their own home? Yes. By the way, I just found it. How many do you want? 
uh, as many as you can get. No, legit, I just found it for you. Well, legit, as many as you can get. What's your zip code up there? Uh, 06903. Did you just unfind it? Uh, it's not in your area. Yeah, see, I've done this. <laughs> and I guarantee you, whatever zip code that you think it's in there, it's not there. Do you think legitimately they quit making it? Legitimately, I, I think they did. There was a point. There was a point in time. It did get a little ridiculous where I was paying $72 a case for it. And a case is only 12. Holy shit. You're paying $6 a bottle for this shit. I was. Well, that's, that's another thing. Don't ever tell my wife. I, you know, she ain't listening. She's got people. No, nah, but here's the deal. I'm friends with your wife on Facebook. She's making a new reef from the front door every fucking day. How many reefs you got? Well, she's doing them for a wedding. Oh, wait, when's Amber getting married? No. Don't get hot about it. You said she's making reefs for Amber's wedding. No, I didn't say Amber's wedding. I said a wedding. Oh, Otis and Mandy. No, her, her, her cousin's daughter. Oh, nobody cares about them. They're not over. So listen, Alvarez writes, you know, this Kerwin white gimmick makes me laugh, but it's one of those gimmicks where when the guy's in a match that would otherwise be really good, no one can take him seriously. So anyway, right there in the middle of the heat, Kerwin grabs his golf club and right as he's about to swing, Shelton grabs him out of nowhere, hits the exploder for the pin. Despite selling the leg, the entire match, the second Shelton won, he stopped completely and was walking around the ring. Like something was wrong. That's not the sort of thing I'd expect from him. Two and a half stars. Kerwin white, the golf club, the sweater vests, the golf cart. This is just not good, dude. You don't expect me to carry my own clubs out there. Do you baby? You ever see the pictures of dusty, uh, playing golf in the Bahamas in his fucking, uh, trunks tights. Yeah. And just golf shoes. Yep. Swinging that club. I used to get out there, baby. And you swing the club, you know, like 70, 80 times and get a good sweat on and feel all good. Get some thumb. Sometimes if you feel like it, you play a second hole. And then the golfers out there got that joke. I like that you said he's wearing golf shoes. He's actually wearing like high tops. Really? I thought he was wearing golf shoes. But he did the same thing with baseball. He's wearing a glove. I don't recall. Yeah, he's wearing a glove too. Golfing glove, baby. That way, Black Jack Muller, fucking Baba Jack, come out here. He think he's gonna get all crazy and shit. I got my own claw. Slap on his fat ass and put him down like a fucking bad dream, if you will. Nightmare. You got anything to comment on on this Kerwin Shelton thing? Are you trying to just describe? I I actually thought it was a decent match. Wasn't anything to write home about. But both great workers and put on a hell of a performance. I thought it was good. What shit face say? <laughs> Just told you. Two and a half stars. Ooh. In Tokyo, though. Oh, Jesus. Next up, we've got Matt Hardy and Edge. Of course, Lita is with Edge. They're in a steel cage. They get plenty of time 21 minutes and 32 seconds. Matt Hardy is as hot as ever during this. There's Hardy chance during the match, which uh, starts with Matt looking really strong. Hardy even states in his pre-match promo that all he cares about is edge, not being able to walk away, which almost gives a subtle hint that he might not win. 
Uh, edge gets in offense on Matt, including a power bomb into the cage. Uh, edge hits a buckle bomb like Seth Rollins. We know, and, uh, edge hits a power bomb off the top rope after Matt only makes a brief effort to climb the cage. Matt doesn't really try to escape or go for pinfalls, but edge. However, he's trying to escape in a major way. And it's a small piece of psychology that tells a story. Matt wants to hurt edge while edge wants to win. And we repeatedly hear that a steel cage match can't be stopped for any reason. And Matt makes a comeback, pummeling edge, throwing him into the cage until he's busted open tons of color here, but instead of escaping, Matt continues the assault. Finally, Matt hits a side effect off the top rope and goes for the pin. Lita breaks it up. And then Matt hits her with a twist of fate, but he gets speared and survives a pin attempt. The crowd is white hot here. Edge is knocked down in the ring and Matt climbs to the top of the cage. Will he escape? Nope. He's going for the high spot, a top rope leg drop. I don't know how this doesn't destroy him. Uh, he's got to still feel the effects to this bump to this day. He goes for the pin. He wins and the observer gives it four and a half stars, man. I got to tell you after the way edge won at SummerSlam, beating Matt to a bloody pulp, it felt like this was going to be bungled. But this was unbelievable match of the night. In my opinion, I loved it. Ton of heat, great stuff. And what a finish. What'd you think? Yeah. What else can you say about it? Man, when Matt got up to the top and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't remember him doing a splash. Right. And I went, oh no, he's going to do the fucking leg drop, isn't he? And Jesus Christ, man. When Matt came off the top with that leg drop, it was amazing. Other than saying the match was amazing, there's really nothing much more you can say about it. Professionals all the way across the board with uh, Matt and Edge and Lita. Just a fabulous story, fabulous match. Everybody busted their ass, and whew, you were spent after that match. You were really spent, and that's that's a good feeling when you're watching paper. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Woo! Of course, by now, everyone has heard about the historically low mortgage rates. In fact, a lot of families are getting interest rates in the twos. That's right, the twos. But just last week, one expert said that we're on borrowed time with these low rates. So if saving money is important to your family, the time to act is now. Find out how much money you can save right now by getting a better rate, skipping your next two house payments, and cutting years of unnecessary payments off of your loan at SaveWithConrad.com. It really is a tremendous match. I can't recommend it enough. Go out of your way to see it. There's nothing we can really add to it. You just, it's a spectacle, man. You got to see it next up. Mother's we see, a whore. All right. That was random. Is, is that it? Did you want to say something else about my mom? Your mother's a whore. Well, that's hurtful and unnecessary comes out sometimes thought a lot of your mom it's like terry etz it's terry etz <laughs> you better you better keep going before this goes downhill even terry etz it, 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 it's like a snowball and it's gaining momentum <laughs> wait fuck you won't draw money or don't you is god damn is this is this like a a meeting with creative 
with uh, with Vince. Is this how it starts? You just get going like this, and he just sits back and waits. Sometimes when I'm geniusing. Oh God. Bischoff is backstage. He's taunting John Cena. Cena, of course, is in the trainer's room. He's getting wrapped up. And Bischoff says Cena's going to lose tonight. Cena takes a piece of tape from the trainer, puts it on Eric's mouth. Eric rips it off, and Cena leaves. And Bischoff is upset. And then we cut back to a bloody edge still crawling up the entranceway. Man, how great is that? To cut back and see him still, not all the way up the ramp, but slowly crawling. Great stuff. Yeah, fabulous. And, and it was just the story that kept on giving. Just great stuff, man. Can't recommend this enough. Next up, we've got a tag match. It's going to be Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch defeating the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, Hurricane and Rosie. They're going to win the titles in seven minutes and 41 seconds when Murdoch pins Hurricane following a clothesline and a leg sweep double team. There's a pre-tape promo with Caden Murdoch and the cameraman is going out of his way to avoid shooting Murdoch's tattoo, just barely keeping it out of frame, which is kind of weird. And they're challenging for the tag team championship here. And, uh, Rosie has just graduated his shit training. That's right. He's a superhero in training. Uh, Murdoch wants a kiss from Lillian, which is kind of random, but fun. And hurricane stops it, gets a DDT on the outside, which. Sounds great with a sick thump hurricanes out of commission. And then the trainer comes out to check on him. He's being walked out in an exhausted stupor and uh, hurricane is determined to return to the ring to help his partner, Rosie. Meanwhile, Murdoch hits a lariat while Cade chop blocks him for the double team to win two stars, man. We don't talk about Cade and Murdoch enough. Something about them just worked for me. I really enjoyed their stuff. And we know that. Ultimately, Cade's going to leave us way, way, way too soon. What'd you think of this match? Watching it back for the first time in a long, long time. Well, I seriously, man, the first thing that came to me was just how much I miss Rosie. Yeah. Um, Matt was such a, and here, here's was my biggest takeaway on, on everything in the match. It was an okay match. It was what it was, but through Matt's entire career being a badass gangster and three minute warning and all that other shit that he did to me of the Matt that I got to deal with and, and work with through the years, what was closest to his real personality was superhero and training Rosie. Yeah. Because it was, he was having fun with it. Um, that's who he was. He liked to have fun. He liked to fuck around. So, uh, you know, watching this, it, w- it was a shame because you, you look at Lance Cade and go, wow, what could have been? And it makes you kind of sad. But uh, the part that made me happy was watching Rosie really more than anything and remembering just the fun shit with, with Hurricane. That was, those were some fun times. How great of friends were, uh, were those two, it feels like hurricane and him had to be pretty tight. Yeah, they were. And, and the thing about it is, was that I think some people in a traditional sense would have looked at that gimmick and gone, Oh my God, I don't want to do that. It, it's a goof or whatever. And Rosie embraced it. And Matt, I mean, uh, hurricane, you know, holy shit. You know, he took a little, a little 
thing. Steve Austin talking about his Green Hornet ring and turned it into something and made it work and made it fucking a top a top thing in my opinion. So you know, it's just just one of those things that yeah, they were good friends and that was two people put together with a gimmick that was kind of silly that just really worked. Next up, we go backstage and we see, uh, Flair still with the women in the limo. One of them takes a break and steps out wearing his robe. And then it's time for our, I don't know if we call it co-main event, but this was certainly one of the more anticipated matches. It's the undefeated Chris masters. No one's been able to break the master lock. And he's taking on Shawn Michaels. They get plenty of time, 1645. Before we get to the match, Maria's backstage and asks Chris Masters why they call him the Master Bait. And the crowd pops. He corrects her. It's Masterpiece. He looks incredible. Uh, a sign says HBK is the locksmith. We get a nice shot of that in the crowd. And the crowd is huge for Shawn Michaels here. I mean, what an ovation. Uh, masters is going to lock in the master lock during Sean's entrance. Sean's hurting pretty badly, but comes back and unloads on the offense on masters. Eventually Chris gets the upper hand with a power bomb on Michaels against the ring post. And Sean's selling here is masterful, uh, pun intended. I guess he makes everything look great. This is, um, I don't know. It's a reminder of what you had in Chris masters. And we know that. Ultimately, uh, steroid testing is going to kick in in a big way. Uh, he deflates a little bit. Triple H and Sean make fun of him on TV and it feels like his career really never recovers. Why don't you think masters did more? Was he just too young? Did he rub people the wrong way? I mean, he had a great look that you guys look for work. looked fine. What'd you think? I, I just think that, you know, Chris had his own demons during that time frame, and they got the best of him. So, you know, it was unfortunate because I think that, uh, first of all, the human being, when you have Chris in a clear head, I think is a sweetheart of a human being and someone that really wanted to make it in the business that had the tools. He might've gotten too much too soon. There you go. And with that look, you know, it's like, got pushed and I think people expected more out of him than what he was able to give. But then he also believed that he belonged in, in that spot. So I think Chris had a few things working against him and timing. And sometimes your demons will get the better of you. And it's a little harder for some to recover than others. But look, Chris had a hell of a run yeah. <laughs> during that time. And this program with Sean, the the match was great, told an excellent story. And at the end of the night, Sean got his hand raised, but Chris still left whole because Sean didn't break the master lock. Sean's going to go for the super kick, but Masters counters with his full Nelson. Michaels barely escapes with the help of the ring ropes. Then he goes for a crossbody off the top, but he's caught. He's almost caught in a master lock. But instead, he nails the best sweet chin music you'll probably ever see, besides maybe that Shelton Benjamin. And coach says Chris Masters stepped up and had his best night. And JR even says he may someday have the torch, but today 
Shawn Michaels was unwilling to pass the torch and he gives it three stars in the observer. I really enjoyed this match and it's just a, a shame to me that we didn't see more with Chris masters. what do you think watching it back? Well, I, I couldn't disagree more with there. The Sean didn't pass the torch. Holy shit. Sean, I think made masters in this match and left him with his gimmick intact, not breaking the master lock and did more for masters in this match than had been done the entire time he'd been there. So again, that's the naivete of, of people that good Lord. If, I, if you let people like Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, which to my knowledge, they never have ever done. Um, I'd love to see what they could do. Booking, booking a show, uh, working with talent week in, week out and, and do it just for a year. I don't think they could do it for six months. But uh, do, do it for a year. Do it for a year, guys. Let's see what your track record is. Before you start with, with that kind of talk. It's, it's just silly. It's unnecessary because, again, this match did more for Masters than anything he had done up until this point. Past the torch line was from Jim Ross, not one of the writers. I'll say it, Jim Ross, too. Man. Fuck you. Well, he's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, backstage, Ric Flair's finally finished, uh, well, putting in work. I'm I sure guess. the fucking, what's his name would have said that. So fuck him too. Who, Ric Flair? So Flair just in, fin- in context, look at how JR said that. You're it right. wasn't a metaphor. It was Shawn Michaels, Chris, it was storyline. God damn, I hate everybody right so now I'm coming down. It's all hiked up on my Fuji apple pear. Now I'm just, we got to get this man, some blood orange mango. Yes. Player finished putting the baby's arm to work on the four ladies in the limo. He's, uh, going to ease out of the limo ass first with his trunks out. So, you know, he loved that. He's about to woo and then does the signature flare flop onto the concrete. Fans absolutely love this one. So you said you shot the first one and the last one. So you wanted to be there when he popped the Viagra and when you got to see his butthole. Yeah. What is it, it didn't about? He looked peaceful when he was laying there at the end. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. We've probably, I think we've both probably seen that before. Yes. It looked like, you know, it looked like a baby when the, when you put them down at night and they finally drift off to sleep and it's that one last, they take that one last shit in their diaper and let loose with whatever piss they have in their bladder. And they get that look on their face. Like, ah, oh, that's a Rick look like. Well, you have a way with words. Yeah. He had a shitty piss filled diaper. <laughs> was content. I don't think he was wearing a diaper here. Well, same difference. next up, it's, uh, the main event. John Cena is going to make his SmackDown debut against Kurt Angle. Of course, Angle won the match. Now here we are three years later and Cena is beginning his epic run on top of the company. He had won the WWE title from JBL at WrestleMania. It goes Hollywood. He finished that program up at judgment day in June. He gets drafted over to raw and a huge pop. The raw only pay-per-view in June is vengeance and Cena wins a triple threat against Chris Jericho and Christian on August 21st. He would beat Jericho at SummerSlam to retain. And then he beat him in a loser gets fired match. So Jericho's out of here, but tonight he's going to face his toughest challenge yet. 
Kurt Angle, the wrestling machine, no more comedy. He's even wearing a mouth guard here. And JR says he lost some teeth against Cena recently. This is all business. JR reminds us he's the only Olympic gold medalist in WWE history. And, uh, of course he won it with a broken freaking neck. Ultimately, Kurt Angle defeats John Cena by DQ here, 17 minutes and 15 seconds. When Mike Kyoto stops the match after seeing Cena uh, hit his challenger in the face with a title belt. Let's talk about the match. Cena's super over here. Fans are mostly behind him. They're sharing pretty equal offense at first with Cena getting the upper hand and Angle leaving the ring in frustration. Cena will continue to control the match and look strong and there's an interesting moment on commentary. JR says Kurt Angle's body scissors is so powerful that he could break open bags of corn or feed. And coach says, who can relate to that? And calls JR a, a hayseed. JR gets hot and the two picker back and forth while Lawler's trying to keep the peace. How great is, is red ass JR on commentary or in real life? <laughs> well, again, JR would 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 sell so a lot of times it was just you talk about his sooners and you talk about you know hillbilly boy like steve austin used to call him and hey is what it is and, and jr's a passionate human being that uh sometimes takes some things more seriously than he probably should around the time you're just looking to get a text, aren't you? Why? For Sassafras? I don't know. Well, I, Bruce, I, I don't remember saying Sassafras. I don't think I've ever said Sassafras. Well, what the hell is that all about? He did ask me that. He asked me that. And what'd you say? I said it was just if you were to make a sound. <laughs> it's like Michael A's and Duke, Duke, Duke. Just Jr. looks like he would just get frustrated. Ah, oh, Sassafras. So, guy Yosemite Sam. Then Yosemite Sam, you say Sassafras. You know what's bad is he asked me. He said, are, "Are you are you and Bruce doing that to make fun of my disability?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, no! What? What? No! What are you talking about? Yeah. No, making fun of his goddamn accent. <laughs> he had that for his disability." People make fun of my goddamn accent. Of course, Conrad, you don't have one. No, thank you. I know I don't have an accent. Thank you. Okay. Speaking of hillbillies. Anyway. Around the same time Cena gets his, uh, you can't see me spot. The booze are starting to build angles, getting more and more cheers. Then the dreaded ref bump. Cena hits the FU, but Mike Kyoto's knocked out. Wouldn't you know it? Angle's going to use his gold medal as a weapon. He's going to clinch in the ankle lock. Bischoff comes out and he's taunting Cena, maybe even giving him more motivation to escape. Cena finally gets free, grabs his belt to smash Angle, and the referee sees it, and we get a DQ finish as a reward for spending 50 bucks on the pay-per-view. Three and a half stars. Bischoff's going to go off on Cena on the mic. Cena interrupts him with an FU and then angle attacks him from behind. They battle to the table. Cena's going to counter the angle slam, hitting the FU through the table and Cena leaves, uh, by first celebrating 
in the ring with the title and the show's over. I gotta say, man, it's pretty, uh, eh, lackluster finish. I enjoyed the match and I enjoyed the post-match with the big table bomb, but I think on pay-per-view, I would have liked to have seen a clean finish. What say you? Oh, God damn. It's soap opera. I, you know, I thought that the match was, you know, wasn't great. It was the emergence of Cena. This is where Cena was finally, you know, really, man, his shoes were starting to fit. And John had that confidence now in working with Kurt. I think it's impossible to have a bad match. So that helps as well. But um, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It told a story. And the story of, you know, Kurt being right there and, and the DQ, what have you, it just was a fuck you to Bischoff and the authority. So for me, it worked. I thought it was a good, good finish. I thought it was a good match. And I think I called you when I finished it or texted yeah. you or whatever it was. I was like, God damn, this was an enjoyable show. Yes, it was. This was, this was good. 15 years later. No argument for me. Uh, I dug it. Uh, would overall thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. You're going thumbs, thumbs up. up. We, uh, we took to Twitter and said, if you've got a question for Bruce about this show, drop it below. And if you'd like to ask a question about next week's show, which I'm excited to tell you is about Rick, the model Martell. A lot of our longtime listeners, Bruce, they absolutely love our profile shows. And next week's going to be a big one, man. Rick, the model Martell. Come on. What do you think we might talk about next week with Rick? Uh, ask me to tell you the thong story. Okay. Well, thong story. Here we go. But first, if you've got a question for that one, we want to tell you, ask it over at Pritchard show. Let's get to a few fan questions from this week's episode. Brennan wants to know, I was at this show in OKC and the experience was disappointing. The pay-per-view was a two-match show, completely dependent on the cage match and the Cena angle main event. I'm sorry for being blunt, but the 13-year-old me is still pissed about the main event ending with a DQ. How do you justify hyping a main event, having people pay for it, and then not delivering a real conclusion? WWE got to drag out the Cena angle for another month, uh, but that did nothing for the fans in OKC who left feeling ripped off. Well, Brandon, I'm really sorry that you felt ripped off. And it wasn't meant to rip you off in any way, shape, or form. It was meant to tell a story and to continue their story beyond Oklahoma City and beyond Unforgiven 2005. And that's what it accomplished. And I hate that you feel ripped off. I would have hoped you would have enjoyed it, got lost in it. And whichever emotion, if you were a Kurt Angle guy at that point, be pissed off and want Kurt to have one more shot at And if you were a John Cena guy going, yeah, my guy said, fuck you, Derek Bischoff. And I hope you, you know, I mean, I hope you were happy with the cage match too. It's, it's, uh, since those were the only two matches you were interested in. Anthony asked, since this was a, uh, since this was match two, in the edge, Matt Hardy feud, was there ever consideration to have Matt go over in the end a few weeks later or did WWE go with edge because Matt just wasn't as over as we thought he was. I think logical progression with where we were going with the edge story dictated that edge go over and, you know, move on. 
it's, it's as simple as that. You don't look at it and go, okay, you got to make it even here. And I think that a lot of times we're guilty of that. Make everybody whole. I don't think that you need to make everybody whole in the end of every story. Hypothetically speaking, have you seen any of the stuff that Matt has done since he left WWE? And if so, what'd you think? Of what he's done recently? Yeah. Uh, Jaden wants to know, was there ever any plans to have Chris masters defeat Shawn Michaels? I feel like that win could have really made masters a top guy, but his star faded shortly after this. Again, I'll reiterate what I said during the show that I think that this match did more for masters than anything he had done to this point, being able to hang with Sean, Sean, not being able to break his master lock and, and doing the honors the way that he did to a, a hall of famer and a guy like Shawn Michaels. I. Sean gave him that match and did everything for him. Let's talk about, uh, Connor's question. He says, were there any thoughts to having Shawn Michaels remain a heel after the Hogan match instead of turning him back face right away? Of course, we're fresh on the heels of SummerSlam. That's an interesting question. Was it ever considered as far as you know? It depends. I, I don't think that everybody considered Sean a heel. So it's just cons- continued Shawn Michaels character. However you want to take him. Ray wants to know how underrated were Cade Murdoch as a tag team. I, I don't think they were underrated. I think that they may have been pushed a little too soon and they need a little more seasoning and they needed, you know, talk about fitting their own shoes. They, they needed to grow into their own shoes a little bit there, but that's a s- situation of, young, new, and let's go with them and, and let's try it out. And that was, you know, that was, it was the same thing, you know, with Chris masters, I think being guilty of that, this was a time frame where a lot of young talent was given an opportunity to step up. And I don't know if, if Cade Murdoch were as ready. I think we could have gone a little bit slower with them. Actually. Luke from Iowa wants to know. I read that this show's DVD reached number three on billboards, DVD charts. There were some other WWE DVDs released around that same time that had also quite successfully topped the charts. So it made me wonder how big's Batista's dick. That was a pretty good one from Luke. I didn't see that one coming. I saw it from eight miles. <laughs> the DVD question or Batista's dick eight miles away. Snitsky, uh, this is from James Snitsky came in looking to be a top guy. Does Bruce remember what might've went wrong and why the momentum stopped so quickly? That's a good question. I guess Snitsky did look like he had some momentum and then not so much. Well, again, it goes back to the new stars and trying to introduce new here's the re- reality. If you introduce 10 new stars and three of them make it, that's a success because not everybody's going to make it. And again, that spotlight has got to shine. And the, the wider that spotlight is the dimmer, you know, it is on everybody. So you got, you got to throw everybody out there And gene, big bastard, great look, hell of an athlete. Just didn't click. Um, lots of folks wanted to know, and I think I know the answer. We started the show with it. 
why was this the only pay-per-view in Oklahoma city? Um, because we wanted to be close to JR's home. You mean you didn't want to be? Oh, anymore. Oh, well, it says, why was this the only one in Oklahoma city? Uh, okay. Yeah. Because we didn't want JR to, we wanted JR to fly and to make him uncomfortable and disrupt his life. Realistically, it's because Isn't of that what ha- y'all want to hear. Huh? <laughs> it's half a house Jones, right? I mean, my God, if people aren't going to support it, if we're not going to be sold out, if it's not hanging from the rafters, if we're 50%, it's going to do something else, huh? Did you change your microphone? Did you move away or something? I didn't do shit. I didn't do shit, Conrad. Nothing. Oh, maybe it's Skype adjusting because you yelled. Okay, maybe. Either way, though, that was a whisper. So sorry about that, everybody. Uh, Plunkett the Ogre wants to know, hypothetically speaking, how would Jim Cornette describe Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch? I think Jimmy thinks everything's business shit these days. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, I think Cornette would have loved them. Yeah. I, I really do. I think Cornette would love that tag team because they were the throwback. Last one. Uh, Sky Dude Yams wants to know, was there ever any serious consideration to giving Angle the belt here? He was a very hot heel at the time. And seeing Cena chase the belt rather than being the unbeatable demigod could have been fun. Because Angle was believable and he had Bischoff on his side. I think Cena was believable. We were building John Cena for the future. And this was one of the first steps in making John Cena the face of the company, which is exactly what he became. Well, boys and girls, that's going to put it to bed. Unforgiven 2005 is in the record books. You can get these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. One of these days, there's going to be a bunch of bonus content over there with. Miss Elizabeth and Carrie Von Eric and SummerSlam 92 and Jacques Rougeau and on and on. And next week coming your way, it's Rick Martell. I grew up on Rick, the model Martell. So I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know that I'm ready for the thong story, but I'll try to prepare as best I can. Uh, Bruce, I appreciate you making time for us this week and actually being in a good fucking mood. I kind of don't even know what to say. I'm always in a good mood. Uh, That's debatable. It's just that you piss me off. Sometimes. Hey, if you know how to find this blood orange mango horse shit from Sobe water, please tweet horse shit. It's great shit. You've tried it and you loved it. Okay. I don't even remember it. Uh, no, I do seriously. How about this? I was such a good host that when you would come over, I had you ready. It was already here. True that. Anyway, let, let's try to help Bruce find some, uh, maybe, uh, you'll get tickets to watch SmackDown in your own home. You can help him out. He's at Bruce Pritchard. Uh, if you want to ask a question about Rick Martell, we are at Pritchard show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here for something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on shall not. I really thought you were going to do another push for the, uh, the Sobe water. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. It looks ugly. Uh, does, does Vince have a. A drink that he's oddly obsessed with like you do or not so much. Yeah, but it's purple. She's like grape shit. What, what kind of grape shit? Like, like, drink. I don't know. Okay. You gotta get hot about it. 
Wait, is Vince on that lane? What? Never mind. See you next week, everybody. Hey, you love the show, right? Show off that love with a shirt from BrucePritchard.com or get your gimmick at boxagimmicks.com, the official store of something to wrestle. Posters, hats, tumblers, accessories, and more. Boxagimmicks.com. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hello? Good afternoon. Uh, is this Mr. Richmond? I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. This is. Hi, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from Save With Conrad. Hey, how are you? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. What made you go to Save With Conrad in the first place? Just doing the the ads on the podcast. My wife and I were in a place where we thought, you know, let's see what we can do and, and check out different companies. And I said, well, I've got this one. So I went on and, and the rest of the sisters, we, we loved it and we stuck with it. And thankfully they stuck with us and, and it worked. That's wonderful. Was there something specific that Conrad said on the podcast that kind of helped you make that decision to give us a call or email us? Skip two payments and, and you know, he'll, he'll find you the lowest rates and... Um, and it came at a great time. We actually did it a couple months before Christmas, so we got to have no payments for December, January. So that helped out a lot with Christmas shopping. We've got a two-year-old daughter, so any money that we could have put towards her that we didn't have to put towards the house was a good thing. How was it working with Derek? Oh, he was great. Uh, sent him an email at like six o'clock at night, and he almost immediately called us. And we put him on speaker, and we, we hashed out what we needed to hash out. It was just the constant availability was, was great. Do you have any suggestions on how we can improve as a team for any future people we were able to help out? Keep going how it's going. I, everything is going so well. And I mean, you guys helped us out so much and, and saved us money. And, and it just, it couldn't have come at a better time. So just keep up what you're doing and then thank everybody for all their, their efforts in it. Do you remember how much money we were able to save you? Um, I think overall it ended up being about four or five grand just off the top. I mean, we we had a credit card that we had run up and we should not have got it to the point that it was at. And we were able to roll that right in with the house payment. So our credit card right now is at zero, which is wonderful. Plus then we got the two house payments. Plus, um, I think it ended up saving us like $2,500 extra on top of it. So it ended up being a, a significant hit of money to us so it was it was definitely what we needed at the time 
Now, would you recommend us to a friend or a coworker? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. That's wonderful to hear. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.